Welcome back, Actastic listeners, to another episode of the Accelerate with Crop and Video podcast series, where we continue to dive into topics that are at the core of how the agriculture industry can thoughtfully accelerate digital transformation as we focus on delivering impact today and building for the future. My name is Sujit Janardhanan, and I lead marketing at Cropin. Now, the agriculture sector is at the cusp of managing a disruptive practice shift due to the technological advancements that are available today. Also, the demand for improving overall production and strict climate-smart agriculture practice adoption and sourcing regulations, the use of digital technologies to better manage agronomic risk, food waste, price uncertainty is becoming inevitable. As digital adoption accelerate, uh, organizations in the industry too will have to shift gears in their entire business transformation process. And we clearly see this happening today. But it's worth pondering over some fundamental questions before starting this journey. Or probably if you are midway through this journey and what are some of the things that you probably need to look closely at? When is a business ready for digital-led transformation? If yes, uh, do you have the best options available? How should you structure your digital transformation journey? How do you measure success in this case? Does this transformation benefit every aspect, every business stakeholder, every user? Well, these are a few of the questions that we will try and answer uh, in today's episode. And to share their experience and expertise with us, we have Jeremy Grutke, uh, who heads the computational agronomy for the Syngenta group with us today. Uh, Jeremy is an expert in building and launching new platforms across diverse agriculture customer segments, who is also the chair at the UNL Agronomy and Horticulture Alumni Advisory Council at the University of Nebraska. Prior to joining Syngenta, he's worked with companies like Corteva and DuPont Pioneer. We also joined by Marco Brini, whom you already met in the last episode uh, along with me. Marco is a digital agriculture expert with over 20 plus years of experience leveraging digital innovations to benefit the industry. He has worked with his teams to successfully develop and bring to market several new technologies and products in the fields of environmental monitoring, risk mitigation, and digital agriculture. Welcome, Jeremy and Marco. Super glad to have you join us in this podcast series. Hello. Thank you. Yep. Great to be here. Awesome. And let's dive straight in. And, and, and Marco, I'll probably start um, uh, with you since you probably bring in a more outside in view when you're looking at digital transformation projects. From your experience uh, in working as a consultant in the digital agriculture space with organizations in the agriculture value chain, what are some of the key factors that you believe organizations should really consider when they are planning and even executing through a large-scale digital transformation program. I'm, I'm specifically highlighting the, the keyword here, large-scale. And this is critical because we've been uh, witness to a lot of digital transformation programs either being in silos or as pilots or at the fringes and not at the core transforming overall businesses. We're just starting uh, early green shoots of that truly happening. So would love to see uh, and hear from you on what has been your experience of what are some of the key factors that probably organizations should consider when they are undertaking a large-scale digital transformation program. Okay, yeah. The number one is uh, changing your DNA as an organization because, uh, in my opinion, this is uh, 
a major change. The digitalization is not just having new tools that are helping to do the same thing over and over in a different, let's say, in a more efficient way. This is the end game, of course, in introducing efficiency, more sustainable food uh, growing. But the way that things are done implies a radical change in the business model, in the mindset, in the competences. So let's say at zero point really is uh, looking into yourself and being ready to change your DNA. Because otherwise, if, you, if an organization would just look at that as another project that is uh, throwing on the market and hopefully is going to be successful, even if even in case it's going to be successful, then it's not going to, to get momentum. The core of the company should be aware that, is it, that there is a deep understanding of what is happening and a deep commitment to move in that direction. And of course, when this is done, there are other minor, let's say, as important, but uh, from a different perspective, how to do that. And then, of course, you need to have a clear vision and objective, execute binding and support of the management, change management in some cases, prioritization of initiatives. So being very clear on saying what's on top of the other, that selecting the best technologies, having a clear data strategy, dealing with the integration factor, performance measurement in terms of KPI is absolutely important. So, but these are management activities that, that management practices that you can plug in into the project. To me, really, the point is uh, having a sort of introspection at organization level and uh, being aware that this is a deep change that is going to affect entirely this organization. Thank you, Marco. And you made a, a bunch of interesting uh, points there, right? I think vision, objectives, KPIs, what are you really trying to solve for? Uh, all of those pieces are super critical. And, and you also spoke about technologies, the data strategy piece. I think super critical, all those components. And I'm going to pick up each one of those as we keep navigating our conversation today. Jeremy, I'm, I wanted to bring uh, a connected point across to you. Now, since you've been uh, a leader driving uh, both in terms of building uh, the vision of some of these uh, digital transformation programs and businesses that you've operated in, uh, and then really driving those uh, digital transformation programs to fruition, helping achieve those objectives and KPIs that have been defined. But I'm sure uh, what, what we would want to start off with here was particularly the areas in terms of integrating new technologies with existing systems and also managing the change in processes that it brings about. Uh, if you can touch upon those pieces and we will we will bring forth some of the other points that Marco also brought about in, in the latter half of this conversation. But what's been your experience, especially in how do we manage the integration of new technologies with existing systems which have been built over the years and processes that have been built over the years and have been practiced and, and you need to bring about changes there. Yeah, no, uh, Marco brings up some good points. I'll, I'll probably be a, a little bit on the uh, the other side, not completely, but, you know, the, the radical change of a, a, an egg, D, you know, the corporate DNA and the, the agricultural DNA of how we operate and do business, you know, I, I think that's where we, we maybe end up challenging almost too much the, the history of ag because ag, at the end of the day, around the world is a very relationship-based business model. 
um, you know, retail and direct route to markets in, in multiple countries around the world. And that that's just kind of the way ag is. It's, it's a relationship based system. And I, over the years, as we've tried to launch, you know, you know, now I would call them radical new business models, but different approaches to that traditional business model. Uh, we've had success and failures. And so as an example, I'd say a, a, rel a relative failure or, or lack of success is a lot of the traditional software SaaS models. Uh, I think you see a lot of companies around the world moving away from a, a pure SaaS model in the ag tech space, both the, the large uh, ag companies like uh, Syngenta, uh, as well as, uh, you know, even the startups are struggling with some of those SaaS based business models. And where we've seen success is we, you know, we augment digital with the traditional business model. And so, you know, at our, at our organization here at Syngenta Group, we call that a product plus uh, component. And so what the product is, is their traditional seeds and crop protection inputs. The plus is the digital component then that goes with those products. Um, and really that helps, uh, you know, bring together the both uh, in the digital transformation uh, for the organization, because, you know, frankly, groups and individuals that use digital will replace the groups that don't um, and individuals that don't. And so I think this debate that digital is going to replace humans, I hope people have moved past that because it's, it's the humans that use digital um that will replace the humans that don't right uh, and and move up the the ladder and provide value to, to customers and growers and channel partners around the world uh so i, I don't know if we're going to radically change the business model i think we're going to augment the traditional business model and the relationship models of agriculture uh out there and so you know that's where we've seen success uh, i've seen success uh, and I think where I've also seen lack of success, uh, now don't get me wrong, there are startups in the ag tech that as an individual company have success with say, with a SaaS model. But if you look under the hood, it's really a, 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 a service business with a human working with the grower. Uh, and it's, I, I would question if it's a true SaaS model, it's a service model at the end of the day. Plus one to that, Jeremy, and, and I completely agree. Considering the fact that it's it's such a people intensive uh, industry, and the fact that it's it's been running for centuries in a certain way, and relationships are at the core. Uh, trying to disrupt that uh, by saying that hey, you need to change all of it is is not going to be the approach. And I love the plus uh, strategy adds in Genta. Great point. And I'm going to touch upon the business model aspect that you called it and. And I, I have a connecting anecdote uh, based on a conversation that I just had a couple of weeks. And this was uh, with the IT executive team of a crop protection company. And um, we were actually uh, introducing crop into them. And once they understood our entire stack, they definitely got excited and they brought in their managing director and CEO of their parent company into the meeting who wasn't expected to join us. And after he got a glimpse of what technology could really do today in, in the crop protection and in general in the agriculture value chain, he made a very insightful and probably a little overwhelming, intimidating statement to the entire group there, including us. And the point was um, the fundamental philosophy uh, that we should operate with is not looking at using these kind of technologies uh, like the ones that crop and spill 
to augment or just improve or make incremental improvements in productivity, revenue, or improve operational efficiencies, et cetera, but to fundamentally rethink our business models because these technologies weren't available to us in the past and now they are. So can we rethink how these business models uh, can be built today? And he made a very, um, um, I, I would say almost like an extreme statement saying, can I grow and build a business model that's built on selling less of, of crop protection products to my farmer communities uh, instead of selling them more? Wherein I get more farmers' mind share and loyalty because they see us that we have their best interest in, in mind and our intent is can we help them cut uh, pesticides and chemicals that they use as agri-input in their farms. And, and I love that, that particular perspective. Um, and the whole room uh, got thinking as soon as that statement was made. Um, so, Jamie, I wanted to check, do you have any examples that you can share with the group here on how has uh, some of the organizations that you've worked with benefited from rethinking either business processes or models while adoption of digital agriculture technologies? And uh, are there any lessons that you can share with the audience here? Yeah, no, I think the, the piece that you're bringing up there is a little bit of maybe the disruption on uh, a larger business model, you know, of just selling more and more and more uh, on that piece. And that is truly going to change, right? And digital will change that piece. Uh, I think the classic use case of today is see and spray, um, you know, or sense and act, uh, I think as Deer would refer to it as. And so, We've kind of done this in a sense already with variable rate fertility. Um, in a, if we go back, you know, in the early 2000s when variable rate fertility took off in the U.S. with grid soil samples and then applying the right nutrient at the right place, you know, in that case, uh, a lot of examples showed uh, cost savings uh, to say a less lime or, or less uh, potassium or phosphorus because you were applying in the right areas. But then you'd also find the use cases where we on the total farm, you applied more because you had areas of the fields that were way underutilized uh, compared to other areas that were way overutilized. I think here we see, um, we're gonna have to look at the total farm expense, right? That expense budget is gonna stay pretty flat, but I think you're gonna see input costs move around, right? If we save on herbicide application, we may, may take that money now and invest that into fertility or invest that into a fungicide application. Because what we want to do as an, as an organization and a, a collective community is raise productivity. Um, and, and at the end of the day, a grower around the world has a, a finite amount of cash and capital that they want to spend on input products. And so we're going to see a reallocation and shift, I think, as we move forward. We'll save in certain areas, maybe in crop protection applications from a herbicide, post-herbicide application. But we'll now reinvest that money as a grower and organization into areas that will grow productivity, right? Uh, and I see that as a good example of where we may disrupt a sector, but the whole input, we're going to grow yield. Right. And that's what we want to do at the end of the day. So we may spend more money on a fungicide in parts of the world uh, to protect a crop. Uh, we may put more into fertility now and less in weed control. Uh, and I see that piece as a total um, work going forward. So from a digital piece, we need to help growers make that decision on return on investment. Right. 
what much probability, how much risk do you have a disease coming in? So that's where in computational agronomy, we look at like disease forecast and prediction as an example. Do you see a high risk of a disease coming into your area? Should you protect that with a fungicide? And so I think that's where you're going to see that that product plus and that that information come forward is making sure now where do we go to maximize yield? Uh, because at the end of the day, that's what we want to do to feed the growing population around the world. I, I think a great point as in maximizing yield is 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 probably and the ROI at the grower level. I think I love those two points that you called out, Jeremy. Uh, Marco, um, from your experience um, of working with organizations and, and trying to help them uh, actually rethink their business model with digital agriculture technologies, right? And, and not just automating existing processes. Why do you think it is critical? And do you have any success stories or even uh, stories where you had learnings both yourselves as well as uh, yourself as well as the organization that you worked with on what worked what didn't uh, when we were trying to rethink business models sure um yeah i've been uh, addressing this uh, i was confronted with this situation when we were launching this uh this project that was a um, very large project backed by the swiss government <coughs> and uh and done in conjunction with nestle and syngenta it was uh 2012-2013, and uh, I remember having a conversation with um, the previous uh, R&D manager in Singenta in uh, Basel, and uh, I've been asking clearly, what is uh, what are the reason you are thinking to do this? As Singenta is selling this product, this chemical product, so if we find a way to minimize the use of this product, then you're gonna sell uh, less. So where, where is the benefit? And so he smiled at me and he said, you know, the, the reason I made this question is that we were co-investing as a startup. So he smiled at me and said, uh, well, if, you, if you're having this conversation with a salesman, a sales department, they will hate you. But uh, you're talking with the future of the company. We are thinking about what is going to be tomorrow. So we are collecting information and we are, it's clear that we are going to transition to a different business model. It's clear that we want, uh, like Jeremy said, at the end of the day, we want to serve the farmers and serving the farmer meaning, means supporting them into optimizing the production, producing more with less. And if we can share, if, you, if we can find a business model that is going to help to achieve that, then we can take a portion of that. So instead of selling more, we were producing together better. And that, that was very convincing to me, uh, to the point that I we co-invested quite a large amount of uh, financial resources and time in a very successful project. And uh, as far as I've seen, there are several organizations that uh, have a challenge. And uh, the major challenge, I believe, um, has been taught to me by by the former um, the former corporate director of Nestlé, Ansur, uh, which was a mentor to me, and it always always pushed me to think in a, from a different perspective, to put myself in the shoes of the farmer. And the, I, in my opinion, this is the major the major uh, challenge that uh, most of the manager or CEO founders or employees of companies large and small are facing because basically they see farmers as customers and not as partners. So I really love uh, the position that Jeremy took and uh, your position as well. 
uh, Sujit, uh, that that's the point. And uh, when that was clear to me, if you if you change the perspective in seeing uh, from that point of view, you will accommodate all the changes automatically into your organization while doing the reverse, start, starting to make, uh, you know, the reverse engineering. So making all small changes in order that you in the future could put yourself in the shoes of the farmer doesn't really work very well. So to keep story short, this is the, the way I would, I would recommend. And I've seen personally uh, several companies that have been transitioning to this mindset uh, being much more successful. So yeah, uh, another thing that is uh, very, very well recommended, that is a good exercise that is helping to, to, have this, to adopt this mindset is building the business cases. And uh, the business cases from the return on investment point of view, and here I'm also touching on what Jeremy said, um, completely on that. So basically, the, the, the farmer is making an investment of time and financial resources, and they want to have something out of it. And we want to have a paper. And so if a company is writing a paper when it's clear, so it's making the exercise, and at the end of the exercise, it's clear that there is a clear return on investment, and you have multiplied, you have several examples of this, then this is going to be successful because, as, a, as we have been saying, Jeremy suggested, it's a relationship. So it's mouth to mouth, even without a strong marketing, you would just sell it. That, that's my position, to keep the story short. Awesome, Marco. And, and I'm going to uh, pick up a couple of the points that you just stated. Uh, while there is intent, there is vision, organizations operating in this space clearly are, are keeping the grower at the center and are looking at what the future uh, holds as we all try to transition through some of the challenges. And digital technologies will play their part, but we all have to see how we manage this whole transition and, and disruption effectively. And I think this is where I had a question uh, Marco, first to you, and then and Jeremy, I'll come to you uh, immediately after that. As in, do you have examples of some of the common pitfalls that organizations face uh, while they're trying to drive and implement this change, both at the change management level in, in people behavior, processes? Uh, the second piece is you may have a vision and objective defined, but defining KPIs and measuring them uh, during the various phases of of the digital transformation program and project and how can some of these pitfalls be avoided and and i wanted to also see if you can and probably double click on kps and I, and jeremy i would love you also to uh, probably take a stab at this one and this is around and uh, around kps and this was uh, uh, based on a linkedin post that i just read over the weekend and which is around how critical it is to define and monitor progress against KPIs defined for a particular digital transformation project. Whereas as I have been interacting with customers, the thing that's been crystal clear or really becoming clearer and clearer to me has been the fact that, you know what, uh, yes, define KPIs, yes, monitor and track progress and, and keep reporting back to the various stakeholders so they see the impact. But I also realize that your KPIs themselves may keep changing as the maturity of these projects or programs uh, go through various phases uh, and how critical is that and have you seen and do you have examples of not just pitfalls but also how some of these KPIs can actually change as we go through various phases of, of maturity of these transformation programs. Uh, Marco over to you sure. first and Jeremy I'll come to you. 
Percent. Yeah, sure. Uh, the, 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 the first KPI to keep in mind as the north in the compass is, as we said, is the return on, on investment on the farmer side. If uh, the organization is an input provider or a tool provider, that should be the north. And keeping that always in mind. The other KPI will be sub KPI that should fine tune and adjust according to the development uh, of the project. Like you mentioned, if it's a if it's a, simply a first pilot, what you want to see is, of course, uh, verifying the claiming of the technologies. The technology is claiming to do that. Let's check it out. Does it really work? Can stand the harsh condition of, of, the, of the agriculture sector? Is uh, easy to use, can be adopted. So I'm on the KPI if I have to flag this uh, on the technology side, if it's a tool or software or hardware, whatever it is, then of course we want to have these uh, flagged positively. And, and uh, then of course you have uh, you have the adoption rate, and uh, but that is on the on the later phase as scaling factor. You want that to be spread very fast, but still. Uh, <laughs> I mean, of course, there are the usual, the usual management uh, recommendations, such as inadequate communication, resistance to change, unrealistic expectation, insufficient resources, poor project management can be there, ignoring the user needs, inadequate performance measurements, so you can have good KPI, but then not measured correctly. The point is really the essence. If you have good if you have uh, decided really as an organization that you want to transition, you, you say, okay, this is going to be my future. Then you have adopted, let's say, a set of possible solution or, or one or more solution that are good to be integrated. And I don't want to get into the detail of the integration, even though it's extremely important as another point is also the data ownership. But if, if these uh, exercises are achieved, then you just need uh, to have good project managers and trust them and give them uh, freedom of choice. Anytime this is going to happen, you're going to win. If you're not going to win at first, you're going to constantly move on and sooner or later you're going to win. If you are on the right path, on the right perspective, if you really, if you really measure what you're doing in terms of production and productivity and cost reduction, it's just a matter of time. You're going to get there. I don't know if I if I really address the question in a proper you, you way. You did touch upon some of those points, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna come come to you, Jeremy. And I know <clears throat> that it's very easy to think of things like frameworks and processes, define KPIs, etc. It's great in theory, uh, but as someone who's been uh, leading these kind of projects in large organizations, you know that there is more to it and and there are more complex obstacles to really uh, overcome, right from stakeholder buying, both internal and external, which is starting from the grower. And there are several other players in the entire value chain that uh, that you really have to bring on board uh, and get them to buy into the change that you're trying to drive. And then the whole change management itself, uh, which is getting folks to think differently, uh, behave differently, and adopt this change so that it becomes intrinsic to how uh, the business processes themselves have been have been running or should run as we keep going forward. Uh, would love to hear your experience of how have you uh, 
tackle some of these obstacles and and uh, you can bring in other aspects also if you if you want it could be project management it could be around technology but would love to hear your views as a, a practitioner leader trying to drive these kind of programs yeah i think there's whole mba courses on what you want to cover here in this one uh, at the end of the day but you know uh, the the pitfalls in kpi piece is, is you know, KPIs can actually lead to some of the pitfalls uh, in this. And what it is, what I mean by that, it, it's the transition. I, I would say most organizations, like it was probably came out of too many uh, consultant meetings, but like create a startup within your large organization, right? Create this small group that can impact change and, and drive initiatives forward for digital transformation. Um, and most organizations actually went out the door kind of that way, whether they acquired startups or whether they, they built them internally, they kind of tried to build this internal little separate digital ecosystem uh, in the large majors, right? Uh, that's really kind of their strategy that they went after. And the reason I say this is that you've really got to watch your KPIs on this because you may have had acreage and usage as your probably top two um KPIs to drive that digital ecosystem to you know get to acres and, and get to usage. The reality is that you have to eventually make a transition to the large business. And so really one of the key things here is then you're like starting to like, okay, what's your how do you affect EBITDA and what's your return on ROIC and all those things? Because that's what the, the corporate lingo is that you're reporting to investors. But here you've got these metrics that are usage and acreage. I mean, and then what's your valuation, right? You're, you're burning money in a large organization. What, what's kind of your valuation? And so what I would encourage uh, others to look at is how do you bring that together? And the, the change management piece, making sure those KPIs are tied to your fields, your traditional field sales teams, performance management. Like, do they have to get on a thousand acres and a hundred growers in their district and region? and you integrate the tool into their day-to-day -day life. And Marco, you made the point, I think, out of the gate on time. Time is the only asset that you can't create, right? Um, it is a finite resource. And so if your digital solution and, and ecosystem is a, a one-off, it's always a one-off. And if it's not integrated into the larger ecosystem, uh, again, from KPIs or process flow, it will never scale at the scale of a large input. And again, when you look at the large majors, they're on hundreds of millions of acres around the world. Their digital footprint may only be one to 10% of that actual larger footprint that they have. And that's the, what I mean, like by itself in the, compared to another startup, they may be massive, but in the grand scheme of things, they're not. And, and so you've got to watch that. Now, one of the big things I've seen uh, that's very been beneficial we at Syngenta Group kind of actually have an internal valuation. How much product is affected, how much product sales is affected by digital solution. In a sense, it's a little bit like how the startups kind of go about their valuations um, because causality uh, that the digital product helped the sale is tough to prove um, in that because again, it's a relationship-based system. You've got so many touch points. Did that digital tool cause that sale or not? That's hard to prove, but you can get, you know, correlations, uh, right? And that's metrics that we use like retention, uh, concentration, penetration of customers using digital with customers not using digital. 
And we always see higher metrics on customers that use digital uh, at the end of the day. And, and, and Jeremy, I, I just want to uh, double click on that aspect before probably coming to a more tactical piece around the technology aspects. <clears throat> um, one is being able to uh, measure and keep track of this, ensuring that what makes sense to the business and what you probably started as, as the definition of KPIs for your digital initiatives, et cetera, and how do you get them to merge and, and ensure that you're talking one common language that business and, and all business users understand so that you can drive that adoption and buying. Uh, the more critical piece is, uh, are organizations able to truly do this or this is still a challenge? And uh, have, have you seen best practices on how uh, this gap can be bridged? Yeah, I would, I would say uh, you have both uh, in the industry. I don't think this is a standard operating procedure yet. Uh, I think you can just see it in the, the large report, out, report outs. Not every company reports digital the same, right? And, and I mean, dear us, everybody uh, will report that digital footprint differently. So this isn't, I think, standardized by any means. Um, but I do think some best practices are uh, showing that that correlation and impact right uh, across the impact of the organization. So getting into acreage, getting into usage, getting into this valuation piece um, of what product pull through is for an organization. Uh, I think you see that um, in certain avenues. Some do it better than others. Uh, don't want to pick on anybody here, but you can. It's pretty obvious when you read through the shareholder earnings reports which organizations can report a digital impact, and others that can't. Um, at the end of the day. Great, thank you, Jeremy. I'll, I'll come to the, the technology aspect of this, right? As in, as you as you put together a plan based on the vision and objectives that you define, uh, it could be either transforming a business model or a business process uh, or an entire uh, value chain or experience of various users in the value chain. Um, it's always this tough question that organizations are trying to, uh, to answer. Do we build? Do we buy? How do we integrate? Uh, new technologies that are out there today with existing uh, systems that we already have, processes that have been defined around those systems. Do I rethink those processes completely to be able to truly leverage the technologies and, and solutions available today? Or I do, do I try and map those solutions to my existing processes? These are all challenges. And if not addressed right, it obviously uh, creates a problem statement around the KPI of of ROI and the real impact on business, both top line and, and bottom line, because it's it's hard dollars that you're investing behind a project like this one. The second is the smooth transition of, of users, right? It could be your internal users or external uh, stakeholders or customers like farmers or growers. Uh, and it is an important problem statement to solve. So Marco, I'll first come to you, right? As, a, as someone who's been consulting organizations, how do you think uh, organization should approach finding answers to these questions. And Jeremy, I would, I would love you to follow up and, and give you a perspective on how you approach this uh, as, as a leader driving these programs and decisions around these kind of programs. Yeah, uh, every organization has its own uh, different business model and the uh, type of product services uh, according to where it stands on the value chain, uh, serving the farmers or buying from the farmers 
So there is no general question, no, no general answer to that. Everyone should really uh, make an assessment of what they are doing now. What are the opportunities provided by the new digital technologies? What are the competitors likely to be doing? There are newcomers that are, that are entering the sector, so be aware that uh, the um, ecosystem of uh, agriculture can be completely different in 20 years from now. Because we had a lot of continuity in the past years, but digital is disruptive in terms of uh, allowing different ways to compete. And so not necessarily the company that are the winner now and the major player will be in 20 years from now, in 15 years from now. So um, it's a general recommendation. Uh, look who you are, look what the market wants, and then look at the tools. When looking at the tools, you mentioned uh, buy versus uh, making. You know, everything started. We are going to talk about digital agriculture since uh, 10 years ago, uh, more or less, in October 2013. Monsanto bought um, Climate Corporation and everybody started to talk about this and about this uh, the, the digital agriculture and everybody got excited. And I'm happy for that because there are, there are really opportunities to, to do good things for the food system. The I believe that that is the way to go. For a large corporation, it's not really easy to, to, to become a digital provider because this requires a completely different mindset. And so uh, I haven't seen, I haven't seen maybe, maybe Jeremy has more, uh, has more proof on his side, looking from inside, but I haven't seen uh, this approach successful of uh, building in-house, uh, a large corporation that are building in-house uh, successful um, solution. So I will certainly go, and this is the mainstream, most of the large corporation, medium corporation, they are looking around and see what are the best solutions that are adopted. So they, they come along with uh, the development done, the, in, the, the first pilot executed, and ideally a first market penetration in more than a country. And so those can be interesting companies. Then the problem comes to integrating the business model, the different mindset, and also the technology into internal, in the internal solution. So uh, I believe that ideally uh, the a, a corporation uh, having done the strategic and positioning uh, exercise will identify the target the startup target that has the right condition and there certainly be more than one and uh, and ideally moving along with them and then being very careful into the integration of uh, the people and uh, and the business model over to you yeah no as you look at um, at least from our vantage point you look at the buy build partner approach you know frankly we look at it i would say as like a portfolio management um component right uh, and so what tools do we have already uh systems and technologies um both from the the portfolio of, of services and products we want to offer but but even the portfolio of tech stack behind the scenes right um so if you get into an evaluation of say two startups that have very similar products um at the end of the day but one's in your tech stack and one's not in your tech stack, right? That, that 
tends to favor which way you want to go because of the integration costs, you know, assuming technology is on par with each other and there's no significant difference. So uh, again, you start to evaluate because again, that integration cost is quite high just from the coding standpoint, um, let alone the people integration uh, standpoint. And so you try to find as much culture fit as possible um, when you're going that way uh, on either, a, even in a partnership, maybe it's not an acquisition, right? But it's just a, even a partnership with an organization. Uh, you've got to be on the same pages. I've had experiences in the past where putting into the contract that you must meet every quarter, right? Is a, is a highly beneficial component, even on a partnership, because like people just kind of start getting, you know, the blinders on and, and, you know, maybe not, you know, Zoom, too many Zoom sessions and just don't get back to like, why are we doing this partnership? What's the benefit to you? What's the benefit to us? Then all of a sudden, two years later, when you did a three-year deal, you're like, you know, people are frustrated, mad, and they're going their own ways. When reality is you could have solved all of that with just a, a quarterly kind of almost like board meeting, business meeting with you uh, as the major and the startup or whoever you're partnering with. Uh, that simple, you know, seems minor. Um, I've seen that where that wasn't even called out like that was a requirement to do. Uh, you just kind of thought it would happen. Well, everybody's life gets busy and, and calendars are booked and all of a sudden it's two years later. and You've probably talked twice um, on the partnership. And so um, I'd say we really look at it as a portfolio uh, mechanism. Uh, again, where do we have overlap? Where do we have gaps? Um, on any of those. And then it gets into, you know, um, you know, should we buy, should we build, should we partner uh, on those technology stacks? Uh, and then, you know, you talk about customer transaction or transition, um, you know, Syngenta, and like you mentioned, Marco, most of the all majors have acquired somebody uh, over the years uh, here at Syngenta Group. Uh, we had acquired uh, two, well, quite a few, but two large ones, one out of Brazil, one out of the Ukraine market. Um, and again, integration of those teams into your larger teams. What I will say over the years where I've seen success is when you blend the management teams, you know, whether that's the product team, the engineering team or the leadership team, I don't care. But if you go all with one versus and, and or all the others, so all the ag input, you know, say it's all his legacy Syngenta group people to drive product or to drive engineering or to drive leadership. Um, or if you see all the startup driving engineering or driving product, like you get into too much culture clash um, and you really need that blended leadership, you know, part, you know, startup um, and part legacy um, leadership team because you've got to merge the cultures. Um, otherwise, you're going to end up with way too much conflict of people getting focused on the, the way to the outcome versus the outcome itself, right? This was my way to get there. I'm going to do it this way. I don't care what you say. Like that, you get into too much of that stuff instead of our outcome is to improve the grower or our route to market our customer with this product and this solution and integrate it into the business. Like if you don't blend those leadership teams and, and, and teams, it's not just the leadership team, it's the teams. Um, you get people hung up on this ways to the outcome instead of the outcome that they're trying to deliver. Awesome. Uh, I, I know we are, we, are, we are pretty much at time. Uh, love those insights, Jeremy and Marco. And thank you for sharing uh, your perspectives on, on, on enabling large-scale digital transformation programs. And, and what we learned today is that successful implementation of these programs really require a thoughtful approach to 
planning, execution, and change management uh, by rethinking their business models and embracing digital technologies. Uh, businesses and organizations in the agriculture industry can truly unlock significant value. It could be improving efficiency or driving sustainable growth with their grower communities at the core of the center. Now, as we move forward, uh, we will continue to explore and adopt innovative solutions that will fuel, uh, fuel the future of, of agriculture. And I, I know that we all have a lot to really consume and, and make sense of as we keep making this journey and transition. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to further discussions on this critical topic and connected topics uh, as we continue to look at future episodes of Accelerate with Tropic. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sajid and Jeremy. Thank you, guys. Good to connect.